So I'm going to ask you to humor me for just a minute because I want to walk you through real quickly a self-evaluation, self-reflection exercise. And for some of you, you love this and you've already done this. For some of you, you hate this. And so just humor me, okay? Just play along for a minute because there's a point to it. And I think it'll help you as we process through what we're going to talk about today. And it's really simple. I'm going to ask you a question. Then we're going to talk through some different categories where that question applies. And I just want you to do this in your mind, just in your mind. I want you to rate uh, where you feel like you are in your life just with a red, a yellow, or a green. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Red, yellow, or green. So here's the question. Where are you now? When you think about different areas of your life, how would you rate or grade yourself? What do you, how do you feel about it? Where are you now? For example, where are you now when it comes to your family? Whatever the family relationships or dynamics are in your life, you know, with your parents, with your kids, with your spouse, with your siblings, you know, whoever it is. Are you as close as you want to be? Do you uh, have the margin to make memories? You're making all the memories you want to make? Are you uh, spending as much time with them as you want to spend with them? Like, how would you rate that? If you're uh, dating, go ahead and think about your dating relationship. You know, what would you give that, red, yellow, or green? If you're married, go ahead and think about your marriage. Where would you do that? Uh, one caveat, I'll do this, gentlemen, for all of our sakes. Ladies, you are not allowed when you leave here to look at your significant other and say, so what color did you give our relationship? Don't do it. It's not fair. It's not right. Don't, don't do that to the guys, okay? But think about it. You can just keep it to yourself. But where would you rate where you are right now when it comes to your family? And then what about your friendships? Okay, so it's tough sometimes to have friendships that are at a level, a deep enough level, that you feel like that's somebody I can count on no matter what. That's somebody I can call up at any time and I know they're going to show up. Do you have a few of those friends in your life? Do you have some friends in your life who value the same things you value, and when they see you starting to veer off course of what you've said matters most to you, they'll, they'll have a conversation with you about it. How, where would you rate that? And then finances. you have the margin financially that you want? Are you under financial stress? Are you under financial pressure? Are you, you got financial freedom? Do you have the kind of freedom to be as generous a person as you want to be? When you think about all your financial world, you know, uh, where do you feel like you are? What kind of, what kind of color would you give yourself? If you're, if you're in debt right now, here's what I know. This is not criticism. This is just reality. Uh, anybody who has payments has pressure, so you probably feel some pressure. But you can figure out where you are right there. What about when it comes to school, for those of you who are students, when it comes to your career, for those of you who are in the workforce, for some of you it's both. Like, are you where you want to be there? How would you rate that? And then I've got one other area I want to ask you about, and you're not going to be surprised by this one. What about when it comes to faith? Now, let me, I'm going to use faith a couple of different ways today. Let me tell you what I mean by this. I just mean when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, where do you feel like you are? Would you give yourself a red, yellow, or green? Now, this is a discussion for another day. I don't have time to go into this today. But I would make the case to you that this one area right here impacts every other area of your life in ways more profound than you can realize. It doesn't matter if faith, if a relationship with Jesus is a big deal to you or not a big deal. It's still having significant influence on all the other areas. I would make the case to you that it's not just compartmentalized over here as a separate little part of your life and you show up on Sunday and that's kind of you check that off and now you're good. I would say it's at the very core and the center of your life, even if you don't recognize it. It's impacting in some way how you view and how you make decisions in all of these other different areas. So when it comes to your faith, where are you? 
For some of you, you're coming out of a year where you had extraordinary momentum. You felt like you'd grown so much. It may have been a great year. It may have been a really hard year. It doesn't really matter because in any circumstance, you can find yourself growing and uh, feeling like that you're making progress and you got momentum there. So for some of you, it's extraordinary. For some of you, it's stagnant. It's just stagnant. You're just going through the motions. Uh, maybe you care, maybe you don't care that you're going through the motions. But you show up at church and kind of do the deal. But it's not really personal. It's not vibrant. You certainly don't feel fully alive when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. It's just something you do. It, it's, it is a compartmentalized over here. It's just another category, another thing that you check off your list. We'll talk more about why that is in a minute. Uh, for some of you, you're, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, you're, you're at the exploring stage. You don't believe, you're not sure what you believe, but you're here because you're curious. That's, that's the best word for you, which I think is just extraordinary. I have so much respect for people I meet who don't follow Jesus, but they're curious enough to learn. And for some of you, that may be where you are. You're just trying to figure out how to explore, or you may be trying to gain enough courage to explore because there's something in all of us that goes, I don't know if I really want to explore that because what if I don't like what I find on the other side? But you're there in that curious stage, which is phenomenal. Some of you who are watching or who are here, Maybe in the stage where you're like, I don't believe and I don't want to believe. And you're engaging and participating in this to make somebody else happy. And I get that, but you're just, you're just trying to do something kind for somebody. But you would say to me, Matt, I, I, don't have, I don't buy into any of that. I don't really care about any of that. And while I might say, hmm, it sounds like a red, you would say, no, it's a green. I think it's a really smart thing. I'm, I'm exactly where I want to be with that. And I get that. And I, if I were in your shoes and if I'd had the experiences you had and if I had been given the information you'd been given then I probably would feel the same way you would. Like, you've got very valid reasons as far as you're concerned, and I get that. They're very valid reasons as to why you feel that way. But it's worth asking yourself, where am I right now in all these areas? And especially when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, because whether you believe or don't believe, that has a profound impact on the way you approach all the other areas of your life, even if you don't recognize its influence. It really is at the core. Now, there's a second question I want to ask you, which is really simple. Where will you be? So, 12 months from now, where do you want to be in all those different areas? 12 months from now, if you were sitting down with me telling the story of the last year and what's gone on in all these different areas, what would you want to tell? Here's the good news. You get to write your own story. You get to write your own story. You may not control all the circumstances that come into your life over the next year, neither do I, but we do get to control the choices we make. We do get to control the responses we have to those, we largely get to write our own story in terms of where we are. And the thing you know, I don't have to tell you this, you're smart people, the thing you know is, it is your direction and not your intention that will determine where you are a year from now. In other words, it's not you saying, I hope, I hope, I hope, I want, I want, I want. It doesn't matter what you write down on a piece of paper or what you think or talk about with somebody. It's what you actually do. It's the decisions you make that are going to determine where you end up. Those decisions are going to shape the direction you go over the course of the next year. And what I want to suggest to you today, and this is what I want to talk about over the next three weeks. In order for you to be fully alive in these different areas, in order for you to be able to look at that and say, that's where I want to be, that's a green. That's where I want to be. I just feel more alive now. I just feel more at peace now. I just feel more content now. In order for you to be there, the gap or the difference between where you are now and where you want to be is one decision, and that's my wish for you. 
It's for you to take a courageous step of faith that costs you something. Now, I don't know specifically what that looks like for you, but in general, this is the decision that will get you from where you are now to where you want to be. And if I could just, you know, push a button and make one wish come true for all of us this year, it is that you would take a courageous step of faith that cost you something. Now, when I talk about faith here, I'm not talking about something that's magical or mystical or, you know, I just, you know, had some kind of, you know, weird experience or I just came up with an idea and I thought, I'll go do that. I'm not talking about anything like that. A courageous step of faith is not something you even necessarily take every day. But there are moments, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. There are moments where you just feel a nudge that you need to take a step and do something you haven't done. Those of us who follow Jesus feel like it's an internal nudge from God. There's no other real way to explain it. It's just this nudge of, you need to take that step. You need to do something. And so a courageous step of faith, another way to think about faith in this context, is it's just a step of trust. And the reason I say it has to be a step of trust is because those steps are hard to take because there is never a guaranteed outcome. Those steps are hard to take because you get this nudge and you're just a little afraid because of the uncertainty of it all. Or you're just a little afraid because it seems to contradict your own selfish desires or your own plans or your own dreams and you feel like, if I do this, it looks like it may hurt my ability to do that. And so there's something in you and in me that just whether it's financial, whether it's with our family, whether it's with a marriage or a dating relationship, it doesn't matter what area it is. When you have to get from where you are now to where you want to be, it requires you taking a step of trust. It requires you doing something for which there is no guaranteed outcome. For those of us who are Christians, we say it this way. It requires us to obey and then to leave all the consequences in God's hands. And that is never, ever easy. As a matter of fact, as I said, it will cost you something. And the reason I know it'll cost you something is you can't get from where you are now to where you want to be without letting go of what you want now in order for what you want most. What you want now, what I want now, may be safety, it may be security, it may be some selfish interest or desire, but to get from where you are now to where you want to be, you can't keep doing what you're doing now. You've got to let go of what feels comfortable now in order to get what you want most. So... Here's what I want to do today. I want to take just a few minutes, and one, I want to give you an example. I want to show you what this looks like out of a story of something that happened when Jesus was on this earth. And then I want to help you to hopefully identify what this internal nudge or what this courageous step of faith might be for you that will change everything over the next 12 months. And then I want to tell you at the end why it matters so much. So let's start with what this looks like. I'll give you an example. In the first century... There was a young man, probably in his late teens or early 20s, he was a Jewish fisherman. His name was Simon. He grew up in a little fishing village called Capernaum. Capernaum was located, it was a small town, it was located uh, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is not actually that huge, but if you had never seen any other oceans, then you would say, oh, it's a sea. If you'd never seen a sea, you'd call it a sea. So they called it the Sea of Galilee. And he grew up there, his father was a fisherman, so Simon just jumped right in the family business. And every day for him pretty much looked the same. It's what all fishermen did. They'd get some rest during the day, and then right after dinner, they'd go grab the boat, they'd go grab all their gear, they'd get their nets ready, they'd go out, and Simon every day would go out with his brother. And with two of his best friends that were partners of his, they'd go out in their boats, they'd spend all night fishing, they'd be dragging these nets through the water, and the reason they did at night is because with nets, 
fish had to be near the surface in order to catch them. And so nighttime, the water was cooler. The fish were uh, closer to the surface. And then when dawn struck, after they, you know, they'd take whatever fish they'd gotten, they'd clean up their nets, they'd separate the fish from all the junk, and then they'd take the fish to the market, they'd sell it, take whatever profit they got, go home, get some rest, wake up late in the afternoon, do the same thing over again. If you've ever been on a night shift, you know the world. You know, that's the way it works. And Simon and his brother and his buddies did this day after day after day after day. Six days a week. That's what they did. He was just an ordinary, blue-collar, everyday working guy. So if you are somebody who shows up every day to teach, if you show up every day and work in a factory on the floor and a plant, if you show up every day and lead a team, lead a business, if you show up every day and build houses, if you show up every day and work on cars, like whatever you do every day, you, you can understand this. You know what it feels like. Every day you just get up. It's, you know, you have these moments that are kind of like peaks, but for the most part it's just same thing day after day after day. That's what Simon did until one day, he runs into this new rabbi that we know as Jesus. And Jesus invites him to take a step that has the potential to change everything for him. And that's what I want to show you today. Luke, who was a Greek doctor, after Jesus died and rose again, Luke began to investigate all these claims about how can a dead man come back to life. He interviewed a lot of witnesses. He wrote an account of Jesus' life. And Luke writes about this experience in this conversation that Jesus and Simon have. Here's what he says. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that was another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So that day, the longer that Jesus spoke, the more people showed up. It's the strangest thing. I've never had that happen personally. But he did. The longer he spoke, the more people showed up. Mine's the opposite. But he got such a large crowd this day. He's there by the beach. He got such a large crowd that people in the back start hollering, Jesus, we can't hear you. Jesus, we can't hear you. Speak up, speak up. They didn't have sound systems back then. So what they would do is they would find natural terrain that worked acoustically to help them out. And so that's what Jesus does. He starts looking around. How can I get to some higher ground so that my voice will project and more people will hear? And this is what Luke tells us happened. He saw at the water's edge two boats that were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, if you grew up in church, you may know who Simon is. Simon has another far more famous name, Peter. It's Peter. This is the famous Peter. This is a Peter that, you know, people have named their churches after him, St. Peter's Cathedral. Some of you are named after him. Some of you named your sons after him. If you grew up Catholic, you were taught Peter was the very first pope. I mean, Peter's a big deal. But what I want you to remember as we go through this is the Peter you think about is not the Peter that Jesus is talking to that day. Peter really is a guy that you'd have a lot in common with. He's a guy who showed up and went to work every day and went through the routine and went through the motions and worked hard and did his best to provide for his family. Peter's just an everyday, ordinary guy. And this rabbi has looked at him and said, hey, would you push, let me on your boat and push it out a little bit so I can teach? And, you know, what's Peter going to do? It's, it's a rabbi, and they had respect for rabbis, and he'd heard about Jesus. He might have even probably had, had some conversations with Jesus. And so he says, sure. And so I imagine, and I'm reading into this, but I imagine that Jesus is there at the front of the boat teaching, and Peter's in the back of the boat. He's still cleaning his nets, 
you know, getting all his gear ready, about half listening to Jesus. And then when Jesus finishes teaching, Luke tells us this happened. When he finished speaking, he said to Peter, to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. To which if you were in Peter's shoes or if you just lived in the first century, you would immediately go, well, that doesn't make any sense. This, is, this had to have been what popped in Peter's head first. What do you mean, let down the nets for a catch? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. There, there's no reason to do that. We're not going to catch anything during the day. Fishermen don't fish during the day. It just doesn't work. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we have all been there. If you have ever felt this little internal nudge from God, or this internal nudge that maybe I should take this step, maybe I should do this, maybe I should explore that. If you have ever felt that internal nudge, then you know what it feels like to consider something that you think, you know what, I'm just not sure that makes sense. I'm just not sure that would work out. I'm not sure I want to go there. You have a nudge to reach out to somebody who has made it clear, you know, they're, they don't want to reconcile. But you've got a nudge to reach out to them again, and you're thinking, that's not going to go well. Why should I do that? You get a nudge to help somebody, and you look at the situation, and you think, okay, I'll just be wasting my help. Like, I can help, but it's not really going to fix anything. So you think, what's the point of that? Maybe you're in a marriage that's difficult, and you're going, you get a nudge to keep fighting for the marriage, but you're exhausted, and you're out of energy, and you think, I have tried and tried and tried and tried. I, I don't know why I should give this one more chance. For some of you, you've had a nudge at different times to give, and you have thought, I, I don't have enough to give. I don't, I'm, I'm broke already. Or others of you have thought, I've got the money to give, but if I give to that, I don't really think it's going to fix anything. It's like a drop in the bucket. It just doesn't make sense. This is where Peter was. And he did exactly what all of us have done at some point in our lives if we've ever given any attention to this nudge. He said this, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. In other words, Jesus, um, thanks for the suggestion. Let me tell you all the reasons why that's not going to work. We've all done this, haven't we? You found yourself in a situation where you felt like God was giving you a little nudge and you thought, you said, whoa, whoa, God, but, 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 and you started listing off all the reasons. This is exactly where Peter is. Now, let me tell you why I think this is so important for us to understand. This moment, this moment when you find yourself going, ah, I feel a nudge, but it doesn't make sense, or I feel a nudge, or I don't think that'll work, or I feel a nudge, but it seems like it would cost me too much. That intersection, that crossroads, whenever you were there, has a profound impact on your future, a bigger impact than you can realize or I can realize than you can see or I can see. And I know it has an impact on your faith. Matter of fact, if you think about your relationship with Jesus right now and you feel like it is stagnant, it is boring, it is predictable, you just go through the motions, you show up at church, but you never walk out feeling like you got anything out of it, and you don't read your Bible much, but when you open it up and read it, you don't get anything out of that. When you pray, it just feels like you're talking to the walls. You don't, you don't get anything out of that. And for some of you, and this is what I found a lot, for a lot of people, this is the reason they walk away from faith. If you have walked away from faith, this is probably why. Because you felt like your faith just became irrelevant and boring. Or for some people, it is, I'm, never, I'm not going to embrace that relationship with Jesus because I'm looking at people who follow him and it just seems like it's lifeless and boring and they're just going through the motions, checking something off a box. So you just walk away. 
Here's what I want you to know. If your relationship with Jesus is boring, predictable, lifeless, you're not doing it right. But that's maybe not your fault. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I've never explained what it looks like to take a courageous step of faith that costs you something. Or maybe you reached a point where you got an internal nudge to take a step and you didn't take it. And you just kept right on doing what you were doing, but you said, I'm not doing that. And then all of a sudden, you didn't even notice it just happened over time. Your relationship with Jesus, your faith, however you describe that, it just started to become predictable and boring and stagnant and lifeless. And you never connected the dots that you resisted or refused to take a courageous step of faith when God nudged you. And then that started happening. But whenever you and I don't take a courageous step, you know what happens? We become cynical, selfish, skeptical, critical. We start coming to church and it's, well, that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and, well, they should do that better and I don't like that because it becomes all about us. People who are in the middle of taking steps, courageous steps of faith, they're on the front lines. Like they're, you know, when you're in the middle of a courageous step of faith, nobody has to tell you to pray. You're talking to God all the time going, I need help with this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I need some wisdom to figure that out. I need you to show up and do something. Like Nobody has to tell you to pray. Nobody has to tell you to read your Bible. Nobody has to tell you to show up at church and to be engaged. Nope. Nobody, you, all of a sudden, everything changes when you've taken a courageous step of faith. You hear a song that you've heard a thousand times, and all of a sudden, it's just blowing you away, and you find yourself with tears in your eyes, and you know, your friend's going, what is wrong with you? Like, we've heard that before, but it's different now because it means something because you're right in the middle of, of a step where you're having to trust God when there's no guaranteed outcome. When you don't ha- take any of those steps, then it's, you're just going to get cynical, selfish, skeptical, critical. It happens to us all. Peter is at this crossroads. <clears throat> this is what I don't want you to miss. Peter has to decide in this moment Am I going to take a step of faith and do something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me? Or am I going to say, no thanks, Jesus, happy to let you use my boat. I got to get back and go home and get to bed. Because if I stay out here and fish, I got to clean all this gear a second time. I'm going to lose sleep. I may, you know, may or may not be able to go back out tonight. Like, it's going to cost me something. And what Peter did is my wish for you and for me this year that we would just take this simple step for this simple reason. Peter said, Jesus, we worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But look at these next four words. Because you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Here's what I don't want you to miss about this. Basically, Peter in his mind has done what we have all done. You create a pros and cons list. You've done this, haven't you? Create a pros and cons list. And in Peter's pros and cons list, he had a big long list of cons, all the reasons why he shouldn't do what Jesus is asking him to do. And over on the pro side, Peter only has one thing written. And it's, well, Jesus is the one who asked. And so he has to decide which way he's going to go. And Peter makes an extraordinarily courageous decision. He says, I'm going to take this step of faith. Not because of what I think it will do, because I don't think it's going to be good for me. I'm just going to take this step because of who is asking me to take it. It's not about the what. It's about the who, because you said so. And that's the only good reason I can come up with, Jesus, but because you said so, I'm going to take a step and do what you ask. I'm going to follow. 
your nudge, and I'm going to see where it takes me. This is where you and I find ourselves a lot. You have to decide, am I going to make my decisions based on the what's that I can see or the who that is asking me to do what he wants me to do? Now, here's what you're going to see about Peter. You probably have already noticed this, but you'll see it more as we go along through the story. Peter did not take this step with big faith. In other words, Peter didn't take this step going, you know what? Here's what I think is going to happen. Jesus asked me to do this, and I think I'm going to throw that net down there, and I think it's just going to be extraordinary. I don't know how many fish we're going to catch, but I think we're going to catch a lot. He didn't do that. He didn't believe that. Peter had about this much faith. That's it. He only had enough faith to say, well, I probably should do this because of who's asking me. That's all the faith he had. Some of you don't feel like you have enough faith to take a step. You don't need a lot of faith. It is not the size of your faith that matters. It is the object of your faith. This much faith, little bitty faith, in a great big God is far more valuable than having big faith in a little God who can't do anything. Peter had a little, little faith, but he put it in a great big God, a great big Jesus, a great big who. And he said, I am going to take this step. And it made all the difference in the world for him. Because in this moment, Peter had the opportunity to discover something he could not have discovered any other way. So, here's what I want to ask you. Is Jesus asking you to take a step of faith that will cost you something? Some of you, you already know what it is because it, it just frustrates you to death. It's, it, as soon as I started talking about this, it came to mind, and you're like, oh, no, not again. For some of you, every time you come to church, every time you hear me speak, it's like, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. It's like, it comes up somehow, and you think, how does he know? I don't know. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God giving you a little nudge, saying, hey, you need to take this courageous step of faith. You need to move. You need to do something. To get from where you are now to where you want to be, you can't just stay where you are. you got to move. For some of you, it's to go into your financial world and to change the way you do things. It's to go into your financial world and take a courageous step of faith where you start telling your money where it needs to go. you got to know where your money's going. It's to develop a spending plan. There's a really awful word none of us like that describes that. It's called a budget. You're like, I don't need a budget. For some of you, this would be a step of faith that would change everything for you. For some of you, it would be to get out of debt to make some really hard sacrifices, to stop having payments so you stop having pressure so you can be the kind of generous person you want to be, so you can create the memories with your family you want to make. For some of you, it's to figure out how to give. It's to create an intentional plan to give, or you've given, but it's, it's just giving in a way that didn't really impact anything. It never cost you anything, and God's been nudging you. You should be more generous, and you've just resisted that. You either feel like you don't have enough or you feel like, well, that'd just be irresponsible. Why would I do that? I, need, I got all these other things I got to take care of. And once I take care of all that, it never happens. It never works. But well, that's where we all live. For some of you, it's to fight for a marriage that you just don't want to fight for anymore. You just want to give up. For some of you, it's to fight for a relationship with a parent or a child. You just don't want to fight for it anymore. But you've just had this nudge. Ah, oh, you got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. And you have resisted. You have ignored but in the process, you have cut yourself off from experiencing God do, some, do something extraordinary, God doing something that only God can do. And you don't even know what you're missing out on. I don't even know what I'm missing out on because we just, we can't see the future. For some of you, it's to leave a job. 
For some of you, it's to take a job. For some of you, it's to get involved serving. Every time I talk about it, you're like, yeah, I should, but you never take the step to say, hey, I'm interested. Can y'all help me figure out a place to give back and to serve somebody else? That's the step you need to take. For some of you, you're in a dating relationship. It's to break up and get out of the relationship. And you know internally, and you keep fighting it. Because everybody else is like, oh, it's fine, or you're just content and you're satisfied. Besides, you don't want to be lonely, and if you get out of that, what's going to happen next? And it's hard. It would cost you something. Maybe you're at a point where you're engaged, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we've got all this going on. I can't get out now. I can't give the ring back. I can't cancel all the plans. But there's something inside of you. There's an internal nudge that knows this isn't where you need to go. And you need to take a courageous step to get out of the relationship and make your mama really, really happy, probably. Because mamas always seem to know, don't they? I don't know what this looks like for you. But I bet for a lot of you, there's something that comes to mind or there's something that's going to happen, that's going to come to mind this week. For some of you who aren't followers of Jesus, it's to actually take a step and explore. And you wouldn't call it God, you don't have that perspective or that frame of mind, but it's just so odd to you that all of a sudden you're so curious and even though you try to downplay it or dismiss it, the curiosity doesn't go away and you keep feeling the sense of maybe I should get back in church or maybe I should read my Bible or I just need to, I don't know how, I just need to figure out a way to learn more. And maybe for you that next step is just to have a conversation with a friend and say, I'd love to explore this. I don't even know where to start. Can you help me? Maybe for you it's to jump in our starting point groups that we have. We'll have another one this spring where we just walk people like you through it and and help you explore and discover things on your own. I don't know what it is for you, but I bet you're like me. I bet there's a nudge that you've got. And here's what I want you to understand. There is no way you'll get from where you are now to where you most want to be and where God wants you to be unless you take a courageous step of faith that will cost you something. And there are some things that you can only learn about God in the middle of taking that step. You can't learn those things any other way. This is what Peter experienced. He said, all right, because you say so, I don't have any other good reason, but because you say so, we'll go throw our nets back out there one more time. Not expecting anything to happen. But Luke tells us, here's what took place. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat. This is James and John, Simon's buddies. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I don't know how many fish that is, but that's a lot of fish. When Simon Peter saw this, what an interesting reaction. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Wait a minute. This is your job, Peter, and you just hit the jackpot. You just got the raise of the year. Why aren't you a little excited about that? Seems like a strange response, but let me tell you what Peter's thinking. And for some of you, you've been here and you've had this and you've thought these exact same thoughts. Peter just watched something happen that he knew was undeniable and unexplainable. He he just watched Jesus do something for him that didn't make any sense. And in that moment, Peter realized, I have just interacted and experienced something that no ordinary guy like me should experience. Jesus just did something for me I don't deserve. Jesus just did something for me that, goodness, I know who I am and what I'm like. I just go through the motions and kind of do the deal. I'm not the kind of guy who's good enough to deserve something like that. 
So he's like, Jesus, this is a way of saying I don't deserve it. Just go, I don't deserve this. I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, it doesn't matter. Because the point is not you were good enough to deserve for me to do this for you. Nobody's good enough. The point is, I want you to know me. And I want you to learn something about me that you couldn't learn any other way than by taking a courageous step of faith that cost you something. So the story continues. For he, Peter, and all his companions were astonished. I told you, Peter did not expect this. He had zero faith. Just just enough faith to throw the net out. They were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now, you know what Peter discovered in this moment? Don't miss this. Peter discovered Jesus is greater than he had imagined and more personal than he had dreamed. This is what Peter discovered on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the day when he shouldn't have caught any fish. He discovered, wow, there is something about that man that is greater than I thought. And there is something about that man that's far more personal than I ever imagined. He cares about me far more than he ought to care about me. And the reason Peter discovered this, the reason Jesus became so personal to him in that moment is because Peter was willing to let his little bitty faith, I don't have much faith, I should have enough faith to throw a net out. I don't think we're going to catch anything. Peter let his little bitty faith intersect with God's great big faithfulness. And when that happened, all of a sudden, God became personal to him in a way that he could never experience or learn otherwise. And it changed the rest of Peter's life. Here's what Luke tells us happens next. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're fish for people. (laughs) To which Peter had no clue what that meant. None of them did. They're like, what? I don't know. But... Luke says they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything, and they followed him. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Peter. Don't get carried away with all this, you know, religious stuff. Are you kidding me? Like, you got all these fish here? No, no, slow down. You just hit the jackpot. You and Mrs. Peter, y'all can take that Mediterranean cruise you've always been wanting to take. Like, this is a big day. You better clean up all these fish. You better give them to market. You better get your payday and haul it back and, you know, stick it in your house or wherever you hid your money. you got to take full advantage of this. What do you mean you're walking away leaving the fish on the beach? What, what Peter would say, fish don't matter anymore. Fish don't matter anymore. I just saw something that completely changed the way I viewed my life. I just experienced something that is way more valuable than any fish. And I don't know what it means to fish for people, and I have no idea what Jesus is talking about in terms of the plans he has for me. But he is greater than I imagined. He's far more personal to me than I dreamed. I'm just going to follow him. If he wants me to come along, I'm just coming along. I want to see what's next. I'm going to take another courageous step of faith that will cost me something. Now, this is, as I said, my wish for you. If I just had one wish, if I could just make one thing come true for you and me, it would be that we would take a courageous step of faith this year that cost us something. Because it's only in those moments when we take that step that our little bitty faith has an opportunity to intersect with God's great big faithfulness and he becomes personal to us in ways we've never experienced before, in ways you can't learn any other way. When you take a courageous step of faith and your little bitty faith intersects with God's great big faithfulness, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
It will do far more for you than any sermon you ever hear, than any song you ever sing, than any Bible study you ever go through. All of that stuff is fine. There is nothing that ignites your relationship with Jesus. There is nothing that changes your life like taking a step of faith and you're going, okay, I just did this and now I am I am trusting you, God. you got to show up. I did what I could do, but you got to show up and do what only you can do because there's a big gap here and this doesn't make sense and I don't know how it's going to work out. But when you trust him enough to do what he's asking you to do, when you trust him enough to follow that nudge, he shows up and he becomes personal to you. And this is what would completely change your experience in life. This is what would help you become fully alive in every arena of your life. If when he nudged you to take a step and to handle your finances the way he invites you to, when he nudged you and asked you to invest in your marriage or your family the way he invites you to, when he, when he nudges you and asks you to manage your sexual choices the way he invites you to, when he nudges you and he asks you to take your time and begin to make it not about you the way he asks you to, I'm just telling you, it will change the way you view and experience everything. If you say no to these steps of faith, here's what will happen. Jesus will be somebody that you keep in a compartment over here, and you say, I think my faith's okay because I show up at church some, and I kind of do this, and I'm a good person. But you will not allow him to have any influence on the areas of your life. And you will have a very comfortable, boring, stagnant faith. That is not what he's inviting you into. Once you know what he's nudging you to do, once you know you got to go, once you know you got to take a step. So, real quickly, a couple things to wrap up. Whenever I talk about this, I always get a lot of questions, and I understand it. I get a lot of questions about, well, yeah, well, how do I know, and what about this, and I'm not sure, and I've always wondered about. So here's what we're going to do. I want to invite you to share your questions with me. And there's a simple way to do that. You can text the word, make it all one word, faith, F-A-Q, faith, F-A-Q, to 555-888. I hope you'll do that today or this week. If questions popped up as I've been talking, text them to me. Week three, as I said earlier, week three, there's a boat show here. We can't physically meet, but we're going to create an online experience for you. And I'm going to sit down, and I'm just going to answer all your questions. We'll keep them anonymous. I'm not going to call you out, but I'm going to answer all your questions. And we're just going to talk through some of the things that you have. Second thing is this. Some of you are thinking, well, I know what it is I'm supposed to do. I'm just so scared. How do I overcome the fear? That's a great question. I'll tell you how you overcome it next week. So show up next week, okay? We're going to tackle that because we all know what it feels like to be afraid. But here's what I want to say as I close. You are just like Peter. I am just like Peter. We have no idea what hangs in the balance of our decision to take a courageous step of faith. You have no idea who hangs in the balance. You have no idea who God will use you to impact if you will take a courageous step of faith that costs you something. So that's my wish for you this year, is that you would do it. It's the only way you'll get from where you are now to where you want to be. Once you know, once you know, you got to go. Let me pray for us. Father, this is much easier to talk about than it is to do. But I would say for a lot of us, 
There's something that's popping in our head right now. We're thinking, oh, that's what I got to do, and I don't want to do it. That's what I got to do, and I'm just so scared. That's what I got to do, and I just don't want to do it. So would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with that, the wisdom to know what the step is you want us to take, and then give us the boldness to take it even when it's hard. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.